You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're continuing in a series entitled Real Life. Everyone say real life. And in real life, sometimes people get angry. In real life, sometimes people get angry. Okay. Now, I talked about this a a little bit last week and, and we spoke about anger last week. And this week and next week, I'll continue on. Um, It's important that we get a right mindset. How many of you sometimes when you're reading scripture, especially like in the Proverbs that that are so comparative, you know, like the first part of the verses say the fool does this and receives this, but the wise receives this. And you're like, oh, those fools. And then you get, (laughs) and then you get to your part of the verse. Oh yeah, that's me. Yeah. All right. Uh, we just have this natural tendency to exclude ourselves from some of the, the, the four soils, you know, how many of you are, you're always the good soil that bears some 60 hundred fold, you know, we're that. And, and sometimes there's a mindset in, in our redemption that, uh, and although we're fully redeemed, uh, and we are complete in him, we are still a work in, in progress. This is a process that's going on. And don't exclude yourself from that process. Don't think that we've got it together because how many of you know that we don't have it together? Okay, good. All right. So it's important that we also not just push this off on those that are not following Jesus and those that, you know, are away from God. Don't just push it off on them and say, you know, they have that. Because, you know, some of the most angry people I've ever met are Christians. Born again, spirit-filled, bite your head off. You know? And that's why, if you'll remember, we like to take it beyond spirit-filled and be spirit-led and be spirit-formed. Amen. Now, again, and I mentioned this in our prayer This whole year-long series on real life, uh, exploring a number of different topics, is to help you, but then it's also to help you to help, okay? So I want you to get that. You're listening for two reasons. First of all, to receive help. Second of all, so that you can know how to help some other people. I, I won't go back and review everything that I did last week because then we won't make any progress tonight. But we did talk about anger last week. We'll continue on that. Tonight, one of the uh, definitions for anger is a feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. It's a feeling. We'll talk about that a little bit more. It has levels. How many of you have been a little bit mad or you've been really mad? And it has levels. We looked at those. There's irritation. There's indignation, which you start to simmer. There's wrath, which is burning and you want to do something about it. Uh, fury, which is fiery and then rage, which is just blazing. That's where you lose some, you lose control. It's insane fury at that point. And then anger also has duration. Sometimes it just lasts for a little bit and sometimes it lasts for a lifetime. And uh, what we want to do is be able to handle anger because if you do not handle anger, anger will handle you seriously. Okay. Now, Anger is, and this is important that we know this, anger is a feeling. Everybody say feeling. It is of itself a feeling. Uh, it's what you do with that feeling that, that we're dealing with here. It is also a secondary emotion. 
a secondary emotion, virtually always. It becomes a reaction uh, to another feeling. See, when how many of you are more prone to anger when you're tired? You know, and so we can be tired and then we kind of get irritable and then we're quicker to, to have the feeling of, of anger. Uh, also, it's a secondary emotion or feeling to fear. If you're feeling fear, if you're uncomfortable, it, it is said even locally here, especially in central Florida, that our jails are busier July, August, September because of the heat and, and, and people at times, you know, they're just irritated with things. Maybe they don't have enough to do as well. If you're feeling guilty, I've found that people that are carrying guilt, they're quicker to, to anger. If you're hurt in some way, even if you're injured or you physically don't feel good, or if you have sadness in your life, uh, those feelings, those situations, uh, can provoke and be triggered uh, it can trigger anger as a secondary emotion. Okay. So get this and understand this. When someone else reacts to you in anger, a lot of times that's not the real problem. There's something else going on. You know, that sometimes you see a little thing that sets a person way off, just a little thing. And you go, that, it, that's all it took to set them off. Well, that's because that's not all there was. There's some other thing. Have you ever heard the saying, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. So, so sometimes that is the situation here. Let's look at some sources tonight. And what, this is my goal tonight. I want to look at four sources of anger. And I'm going to have you identify with those tonight. We're going to see what the scripture says about that. All of this is in the light of scripture. And then I want to deal with unresolved anger tonight. We want to look back and see what do we do with past anger that is still present in our life. Do you remember the definition I gave for you of resentment last week? It's anger with a history. You know, so it's, it's resentment that can turn into bitterness. We'll get, we'll get to that in just a moment here. Now, uh, I'm going to, let me go ahead and tell you that in the next few weeks, and we're playing with some technology, uh, I may mess with it and see if I like it or not. Uh, perhaps some better ways than just using the, the flip chart, uh, here and still be able to write some things and put some things out in front of you. So we'll, we'll see. I started messing with it and I've got to practice with it. Otherwise it looks like I do not know how to write. So let's look at four sources here of, of anger. And the first one is this pen doesn't work. And that, that's one source right there. Hurt. Hurt. Everybody say hurt. And, and I'm talking about emotional hurt mostly here, emotional pain. When, when your heart is wounded, let's think about this. And, and don't raise your hand on this, but I just want, I'm going to ask you the question. Don't respond to it outwardly, okay? And maybe you've ever had your heart hurt. You know, you've had your heart wounded. And so that hurt, all of us need love. All of us need acceptance. And then sometimes we experience rejection. Sometimes we experience indifference. Sometimes we experience embarrassment. And I know this about my wife. Do not hurt her feelings. Do not embarrass her. I'm I'm saying me. Don't ever. 
And I tell the children, don't ever hurt her feelings. Don't ever embarrass her. Okay. And it's not just her. It's all of us. It's all of us. And if we need love and we need acceptance and instead think about it. And we're looking for love and acceptance. Instead, we get rejected. Or there's indifference. Or we somehow get embarrassed. Guess what happens? We will get angry. We will get angry. Let's talk about this on a couple, a couple of relationships. What if somebody comes into the church and they're looking for love and acceptance? And what if you reject them? What if you're indifferent to them? What if they're invisible to you? Or what if you somehow do something that embarrasses them? You will hurt them. And they'll, hang, they'll have anger, not necessarily at you because they may not know you. They'll have anger toward the church, which is a representation of Jesus. Yes. Think about in a relationship between husband and wife or, or um, people that are growing together in love, you know, uh, boyfriend-girlfriend situation. Notice the difference there, boyfriend-girlfriend. Um, just drop that in. Um, not my topic tonight, but. Uh, the, or even friendship. And if a friend or someone that you love, you're looking for love and acceptance and they reject you somehow, or if they embarrass you, or if they're just indifferent, they're just cold to you, that hurts, that hurts, and that will make you angry. Second thing is this, injustice, justice. Injustice. Everybody say injustice. This means that somehow a right of yours is violated. That will make you angry. Okay? That will make you angry. Uh, We all have an inner code, I believe. Whether it's skewed or not, all of us have an inner code of right and wrong, fair and unfair, just and unjust. And when that gets violated, that code that you have of this is right and this is wrong, this is fair and this is not fair. When that gets violated, y'all with me? Okay. When that gets violated for yourself or for others, and especially people that you love, somebody violate that concerning, that's not fair to this person that I love, that I care for, then you're going to get angry. And this happens a lot. I said, this happens a lot. This is why you get mad in traffic. It's my lane. You know, today I, I went and picked up some sandwiches at a place and I'm not trying not to advertise or whatever. I went, I went to pick those up and then this guy, I guess he was in a big hurry behind me. And I went around to just grab some drinks and, and bring them back to put with my order. And like, he's just all over my sandwiches and chips and everything. And I'm like, dude, I just studied about this or I'd chop you one. You know, and honestly, honestly, I just, I just felt on the inside, get off my chips. Or at the grocery store, you know, they got the little thing you put in between your order and somebody else's order. Okay. That's light. That's just light. But I'm telling you, there are things that happened, you know, from government on down. That you feel that is not fair. That is not right. And you know what? And when it violates a right of yours in that code of yours, even if your code is off, you know, it, it, 
what you perceive inside is this code of right and wrong, fair, unfair, just, unjust. That gets violated. You're going to get hot about that. Here's a third source. Have I got anybody yet? Have Okay. Here's a third source. Fear. Everybody say fear. fear. All right. Fear means really that, that something is threatened in your life. Some form of security, some, something about your future is, is threatened in some way. We're all created with an inner need for security. We want to feel secure. Every, everybody does. And so it somehow gets threatened and then we, we start to get angry. Uh, in the news, uh, I think over in Windermere, Orlando area, just last week or so, uh, I, at a city council meeting, it's in the news, so I'm okay to talk about it. City council meeting, I guess the mayor, if I have my facts right, said something about considering uh, laying off or firing, I think, the city manager, was it? And the city manager's husband knocked out the mayor. Is that right or wrong? That's wrong. You people. I know you misunderstood. The facts were right. The action was wrong. Okay, everybody that thought it was all right to hit that guy, you need to come up here. Pray for you. I'm joking. What happened? I'm sure there are other things going on with the guy, some other pressure, some other whatever. And now he feels threatened. His future, his wife's job, you know, it's injustice and also it created fear. And it caused anger to come out in such a way. The boy was already, you know, temperatures was already rising in some, in some way. Now, this, the antidote for fear, let's just go ahead and insert this right here. The antidote for fear is to trust God. Now, this is going to sound so elementary, but that is your bottom line. You better have that. We've, we've talked about fear numerous times, but the, the antidote for that is, is to trust God. I'm going to give you three scriptures here real quick. Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Psalm 56, verse 3. Let's look at this and then we're going to go to to verse 11. It says, David says, whenever I am afraid. Okay, hold that up there if you will, Terry. How many of you do get afraid? Come on, come on, be real with me, real life. How many of you get afraid? Okay, whenever I am afraid, here's what you do. I will trust, I will trust in you. Look at verse 11. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can God do to me? Bless you. So we're full service around here. Uh, so if I get afraid, what do I need to do? I need to adjust. And I need to focus. and I need to get my trust in God. And I will find that when I am focused and trusting God, I am not afraid. And so we slip out of that sometimes. And when you find yourself afraid, shift gears again, change your focus again and get your trust back in God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse two says this, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I will trust and not be afraid for Yah, the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Now, let me just tell you what trust is. Trust means that you're putting it all on him and you don't know how he's going to fix it, preserve it, protect it, provide or what you don't know how you just trust that he will. You relieve yourself of feeling like, well, what's he going to do? How's he going to, and sometimes we try to suggest for God. 
That'd be like you talking to, you know, you're about to have brain surgery or heart surgery or something and telling the doctor, okay, in fifth grade, I studied anatomy. And so doc, if you would, you know, you trust them. You trust it. And with God, you're saying you're God, you know, you can pray out some things and God's good with that, but don't make it like, okay, God, this is what I need you to do. Because our vantage point is so low and his vantage point is so high. His thoughts and ways, Isaiah said, are so high above our thoughts and ways. We're down here trying to direct traffic, you know, and God said, no, no. Yeah, God, this is good. You should see it from my angle. He said, you should see it from my angle. And so we've got to trust him. And then when you trust him, tell him you trust him. Tell him. I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I am trusting you with this situation. I'm trusting you concerning that. And and remind yourself of that. Because when you are trusting, you're not afraid. So if something comes to threaten your future and you get fearful, well, we don't also want to get angry about that. The antidote for that fear is to trust in God. And then we have one other one. I know this one will get everyone. Frustration. Everybody say frustration. Say it like you're frustrated. This means that your efforts are unsuccessful. And that's frustrating. Especially uh, here. I know how to tell you. Some assembly required. I will never forget my daughter, Elise. Uh, she was just a little girl and we had, uh, we, you know, she had, she loved Barbies and all that kind of stuff. And we bought her some Barbie house, something. And Alicia said, uh, and I'm putting things together like Christmas Eve or whatever. I'm putting things together. And she goes, I want to put the Barbie thing together. And I said, have at it. So and it's got all these little pieces you got to click together and a million stickers that you got to put in all the right places. And so she's doing all that. And I went in to check on her because I heard noise that was not very Christmas-like, you know. <laughs> and go in there and she goes, I've never felt more like cussing. <laughs> and it was just Frustration. And you can have nothing else going on in your life that would make you angry, but frustration because your efforts are unsuccessful. And especially you're repeatedly trying to do something. You know, you're trying to stack something up and it falls. Or you get the dog in and you turn around, the dog gets out again. You know, and all these kind of things that would happen. Frustration. That will make you angry. We have this built-in need also with frustration for significance and to be productive And when our efforts fall short, when something happens that hinders us from being productive and doing something significant, that can also cause anger. Now, as I said, anger is a secondary emotion. It's usually from some other pre-existing situation that would trigger that anger to be felt or to be expressed. Now, let's look at anger just just for a second, too. Remember that anger itself, the feeling of anger is not necessarily sin. We talked about that. If you stay angry, you're headed into sin. If you act in anger, that's sin. The longer you stay in anger, the more flesh, the less spirit. And that's the best handles for the enemy. 
the enemy. Get a hold of this. How many of you know we should not cooperate? Do not cooperate with the devil, with the enemy. And what happens is the more we get into the flesh, the better he can grab hold of you. He loves to use anger in your life. And he knows what your buttons are. How does he know? Show and tell your whole life. Show and tell your whole life. And so we've got to start to guard those things. But the love, the, the, the devil, our enemy loves to get you into anger or into the flesh. Look at this verse here. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27. I'm reading in the new living translation and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Also regarding anger, anger never gives you a righteous, God-pleasing outcome. If you do something in anger, you're not going to end up with an outcome that's pleasing to God. James chapter 1 verse 20. Also, I'll read it from the New Living. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, I want to move on and talk about dealing with past anger. Uh, what do we do with unresolved anger? Remember I told you that anger has duration. Sometimes it just lasts a little bit. Husbands and wives, family, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You may not even have everything resolved, but you know what? You can just push reset. You can just go, you know what? Sorry, whatever. Here we are, but it's bedtime. And here's a God given rule. We're not going to bed mad. Now, I didn't mean that everybody all of a sudden is like, you know, that may not happen, but we've got to make sure that we keep short accounts and limit the duration of this. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, looking carefully, lest any of you fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled for every situation. There is grace. And if you slip past that grace, that anger, uh, the frustration can start to uh, cause a root to grow in the soil of your heart. And that root is bitterness. Okay. That bitterness is poison. And if you allow it to grow, it will continue to grow. And it will not only defile you, cause trouble for you, it will also defile others. Can I tell you what defile means? to pollute, to ruin, and to make unfit for blessing. And so we don't want to do that. So what you want to do is we don't want these things growing up. You know, I've, I've got several neighbors I don't understand completely. Um, their yard is so important to them. My yard is, you know, not as important. And so they got, the, they got their whole yard and they're out there and they're just pulling up at one thing. And I'm thinking... Buy a puzzle. (laughs) And then they got their four little, little things that they pulled up out of the yard, you know, but we should be at least that diligent about the soil of our hearts. They were not allowing, I mean, you should be looking and checking and realizing, you know, no, I got to get that out of there. I've got to get that out of there because it will poison and trouble me. It will end up poisoning and trouble other people. Hurt people hurt people, healed people, heal people, free people, free people. Let's go back again. Hurt people, hurt people, 
hurt people hurt people. Now I'm, I'm going to get, we call this real life. Sometimes people hurt people because of what they've seen modeled and what's happened to them. There's situations between husbands and wives. There's situations between parents and children. There's situations before friends that because someone's been hurt, then they hurt people. That does not excuse anybody on that. But what we want to do is we've got to break that cycle at some point and become healed people and free people so that we can heal and free other people. Unresolved anger. Let me read this one quote here and then I'm going to we're going to look at a little pathway just real quick tonight. Unresolved anger is like a bed of hidden coals burning deep into deep wounds into your relationships with God and others. This powerful emotion robs your heart of peace and steals contentment from your soul. When you leave anger, unresolved anger on the inside, it's like a bed of coals. And they're down there and it is burning wounds into you, into your heart, into your relationship with God, into your relationship with other people, into your capacity to even have contentment and peace in your life. And there are some people that stay angry for a lifetime or for years or decades or whatever. They're still angry about something that happened in third grade or or 10 years ago or whatever it would be. And they're still angry about that. We're not taking anything away. We're not minimizing what may have happened in third grade or 10 years ago or, or, or last week even. We're not minimizing those things. But it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens to you. We want to limit the damage, cut our losses from what did happen to you that hurt you, that, that would create anger. So we've got to get it out of us. So let me go through these and we could spend a lot of time on these, but I just... I basically want to get this um, into your hands and into your eyes here tonight. First thing that you have to do regarding anger, and I'm talking about old anger. We're talking about uh, unresolved anger that's been there for a while. And, and it's probably none of you, right? Okay. The first thing that you have to do is you have to admit it. You have to come to realize that it is there. Some people get used to it. They make room for it. They live with it. It's just part of their life. You know, I do this and and I am certainly not perfect, but if I'm in a situation that I'm supposed to be peaceful and relaxing and having fun and I'm not, I immediately start to see why. You know, if you go on vacation or you have a day off or whatever, and you're like, why am I all wound up? You know, I want to, I don't know what that is. And I want to fix that. If I wake up in the morning and I'm not all squared away, you don't just go, well, that's just the way I am. That's the way life is. Life's not fair. It hurts everybody, especially me. You know, and and you just kind of have that going on. Don't live that way. Some people have learned to justify that, make room for that, feed that, take that with them everywhere and accept that as part of life. And it is not for those that are redeemed of the Lord. So you've got to admit it. You've got to realize your anger. Ask God to show it to you even to get it out of you. You know, there, there's some things that will come up. I've, I've dealt with this, you know, situations that happened long ago. And then all of a sudden something is said or something, whatever, something brings something back. And all of a sudden you're like, and you're a little wound up about it. And you go, I didn't realize that still bothered me. I didn't realize that still bothered. Now, let me caution you about one other thing that can blur the lines on this. 
Stay out of the past of anything that's, that's hurt you. Stay out of there. Because to replay is to relive. And since that's all mental, emotional, you'll stir up your emotions again. Oh, I would not, I was not going to go here tonight, but number one problem right now in marriages breaking up, even in Christian homes, number one element that's been identified, Facebook. And what people are doing is emotionally connecting with something way back out of the past that probably wasn't even like that back then. And it's this whole mental, emotional kind of thing ruining marriages and homes. And if you can't handle it and you can't have some good lines, drop, kick your stinking computer into the nearest retention pond. Okay? But, you know, things that can be used for good can be used for evil. I told you last week, a fork. How many of you know a fork can be wonderful? Come on. How many of you know a fork can be wonderful? But also it could be a nasty weapon, okay? So it's about being mature and godly and handling things in, in the right way here. Now, how would I get out way out, out there? Anyway, Psalm 139, ask God to search you. Psalm 139, verse three, uh, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to, to search that out. And then once you admit it, listen to me on this, talk that out. Talk that out with God in prayer. And if you need to, talk it out with a friend or even a counselor that you, that you locate that, you know what, I'm angry about something. Talk to God about it first of all. And if you need to, then talk to a friend or counselor as, as, as well. Second thing is this. You must determine the root. Determine the root. Now, this is not going back and rehashing everything. I don't believe in doing that. But just as we talked about the sources earlier, was it hurt? Did you, did you feel rejected, betrayed, unloved, ignored, embarrassed, or whatever? Was it injustice? Did you feel cheated, wrong, maligned, attacked? taken advantage of? Was it fear? Did you feel threatened? Did something make you feel uh, out of control or insecure? Was it frustration? Did you feel, you know, just frustrated by your efforts and unsuccessful and unfulfilled? You, you need to just kind of locate that as well. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about unresolved anger that's in you. We, not, we need to first of all admit, yeah, that I have it. And second of all, what is it exactly? Because sometimes it just becomes a condition in your life. That you are an angry person. And I don't believe that you should stay an angry person. I'm going to try that again. I don't think you should just stay being an angry person. Well, if you knew everything I've been through, I guarantee you I could find some other people who have been through what you've been through and even worse. And they've chosen to trust God and they've chosen to follow certain paths and they have joy and they have strength and they're blessing to people and they enjoy things. So don't box yourself in. Don't paint yourself in a corner. And as a victim, you're not a victim, you're a survivor. And you can even be a victor in this. Okay. Now, so, but don't just live angry. Admit, yeah, I have this unresolved anger in my life. And then find the root of that. Now, beyond that, here's, here's the biggie. Now you're going to have to release it. You have to 
release it at some point. I wish I could spend a whole lot of time on this. You, let me talk about release it. First of all, part six of this whole series, go back and watch it online, get the CD for it. I talked about forgiveness. I talked about a path of steps, how you can release somebody, how you can forgive somebody. And that's, that's part of what this situation is here. Listen to me carefully. When you release it, you confess it out of your life. Do you know how powerful that is? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's something powerful about what we say, what we admit, what we speak out of our mouth. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that's how you get born again even. So there's great power in, in doing that. And now you, you are to take this anger and literally renounce it and confess it. That I don't want this in my life. That I have been angry and this is why I've been angry. But I'm, I'm confessing it, releasing it out of, my, out of my life. You release your desire or right for revenge. Because when you're angry, there's usually this that I want to get them back somehow. I want to, I want to somehow... Uh, make this thing even, make this thing right. I talked about that in real life part six as well. You're not going to be able to do that. So what you're going to do is release your desire and even your right for revenge and release your hurts to God. And let me just say this. You're going to have to spend some personal, powerful, precious time with almighty God. You're going to have to get before God and just kneel before him, lay before him, Take the time. Most people do not take time before God. You know, we rush in and we rush out. And you're going to have to take some time and say, God, we really need to talk. Maybe, maybe mark it as an appointment. God, tomorrow afternoon, I need about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We've got to talk about something. Make it that personal. God, tomorrow afternoon, we're going to take a half hour. And we've got to talk about this. God already knows about it. But God, you and I, we need to talk about this because I've got to get this out of my life. And with God's help, you'll be able to release this out of your life. Let me hurry here. Then also, you need to go from it and grow from it. The soil of your heart, once you release this, is in much better condition now to grow right things. And you can learn from this. And you should learn everything that you can from this. And here's the biggie, that you enter a new season. I wrote a book and I'm not trying to sell the book, but any proceeds from it, I don't get anything from it anyway. It goes, goes back into the ministry, but I wrote a book called seasons and that's how we live life. We go from season to season, season to season and never come out of a season empty handed and make sure that when you go into that next season, that it's very purposeful. And I'm not just talking about new years. I'm talking about how many of you have ever had, or you're in a bad or undesirable season of your life right now. How many of you are, have, and there's all kinds of overlaps in this. How many of you have at least one or two areas of your life? This is not the season I want. Okay. You can get out of it and you can, you can prepare yourself for an, a new and better season. If you're in a season that you do like, you can prolong that. And you also can take things from that and put them in the next season. It's very, very important that we live our life in this way. But you're going to have to leave this season. You're going to have to go from it. You're going to have to grow from it. Learn everything that you can from this and determine that I'm not, I'm not going to be this angry person. And then let me take just a, one other thing. And then I've got a little touchy area that I've got to touch on before I, before I get out of this. You're not going to feel completely better immediately. So don't do this. 
All right, I admitted it. I found the root or released it. Spent a half hour with God. Wrote down three things I learned. I'm in a new season just like the pastor said. You're going to have to learn to give this some time. Don't say it didn't work. Give it some time. God and time can fix anything. Listen to me again. God and time can fix anything. Well, God can fix anything. Yes, but God uses time. God doesn't do everything just immediate. If God just did everything immediate, you'd have no character. You'd be the most spoiled critters ever. He's a plan. He works things out here. So it's God and time. Time alone will not do it. You've got to have God and time and it will work out and you'll start to feel better. You'll feel better immediately knowing that, hey, I'm going in the right direction. I've discovered some things. I've, I've met with God about this. But don't fool yourself and think, why do I not feel completely all happy and giddy? Because for 30 years, you've been like that. It's like people that smoke and then they quit smoking and they're used to always smoking right after dinner. Well, you're going to have to find something else to have to do right after dinner now. I recommend a little Pez dispenser and, and you know, find something new to do. You have habits, you're ingrained, you're wi- you've wired yourself to be certain ways and it's going to take a little process here. God will help you though. God will help you. Do I dare even mess with this tonight? You know, I need to give this next part a little more time. So I'm going to wait until next week and get in. Let me tell you what it is, though. I'll tell you what it is, though. No, you want this handled properly. This is not just getting out of this, but how, how do we and when is it appropriate or not appropriate to restore or have reconciliation? I'll say this. Forgiveness you can do all by yourself. Reconciliation involves the other party. And there's some things that it's appropriate or inappropriate when and how to reconcile. Because maybe something hasn't changed on their end. You know, if someone was violent towards you and they haven't changed, but I forgive them. Let me just say this. Value yourself enough to not just rush back. I want to be reconciled if they haven't changed. If things haven't changed yet, is inappropriate. Don't devalue yourself and just rest. Don't be so insecure. Put your trust in God and wait out for things to be right. He'll show you. And we're going to spend a little more time on that next week. Plus, I'm going to show you how to deal with anger when it comes and how to avoid, uh, you know, how to do a better job of covering your buttons. I told you last week, how many of you have buttons? How many of you know what your buttons are? How many of you have more buttons than NASA? Okay, we're going to learn some things how to, how to deal with all that, okay? Paul told us, listen to me real quick. Paul told us in the book of Ephesians and several other places as well, Colossians as well, that as believers, we're to put away anger. We're to be done with anger. We're not to have anger in our life. There are times of righteous indignation. There are things that do make us angry, but it's what we do with that. This is real life. And I'm telling you what, anger leads to flesh. Flesh leads to sin. Sin always brings ruin. And so we've got to be careful that we handle anger so that it does not handle us. 
you get anything at all out of this tonight? All right. Good deal.